We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello. And today, I'm really excited for this particular pod. I feel like a lot of people are going to be into this topic. We are going to discuss what we can learn from the Titans' top 30 visits that we know about. Justin, how's it going? Doing well. I don't know that we've ever done this before, but I don't think we have. I see you nodding your head. I don't think we have, and um, I like it. I like the idea a lot. And we have 22 top 30s that are public information as of right now. Um, I don't know that we'll go through all 22. I think there's one or two that are like UDFA types or (laughs) super late day three that – We'll probably get to if the Titans actually, you know, draft or sign them. But we're also going to go through a couple others. If you're listening to this and you're like, what do you mean? You got to go through all 22. Well, there are a couple of like pro day ones and a dinner meeting that I've talked about that I want to highlight, even though they're not top 30s. It felt like they were very notable. So this is I, I really like this idea. It's a very interesting concept for an episode. Yeah, we've never done this as part of our like draft preview coverage stuff, but I am interested because I think, you know, while we don't know all of the uh, the visits here, I think there is a lot to be learned and it's not necessarily like the Titans are going to draft, you know, six or seven guys off of this list, but it's still a very useful thing to go through and to just kind of look at what positions they're meeting with the most, what first round guys they're meeting with the most, and we might be able to get an idea of where they are leaning at this point in time. So Let's get into it. But first, the Titans have signed another linebacker. The first time I ever heard of this player was when I saw this on Twitter on Monday morning. The Titans signed Ben Neiman. And now I will read off of your article on musiccitymiracles.com because, again, I don't know anything about Ben Neiman. (laughs) Neiman played last season with the Arizona Cardinals and recorded a personal high 70 tackles, appeared in all 17 regular season games with nine starts. Played 249 snaps in coverage and had a PFF coverage grade of 70.2. It's pretty nice. Um, anything else you want to say that you didn't write in this article? <laughs> no, I am going to raise my hand and agree with you. I did not know a ton about this player in all honesty. And he's been in the league for like five years, right? I mean, he entered as a UDFA, played four years with the Chiefs, won a Super Bowl with them. He's also a big special teams contributor. But I mean, 70 tackles last year, pretty good. And there are a couple, like I had someone reach out to me, a, a, a friend of mine that also works in football media that was like, man, I really wanted the Bucks to sign him. I watched him last year. He was credited with like one missed tackle. I'm like, okay, it's like there's, there's some smoke here. I made a joke on Twitter that I, I think some people uh, kind of went over their heads. I said, linebacker <laughs> is to Rand Carthon what safety was to John Robinson. If you remember last offseason, John Robinson added like four or five safeties in the offseason. I think I might have even forgotten one. I responded to a guy on Twitter who uh, must be a lot of fun at parties who said something along the lines of John Robinson was giving out multi-year deals. And this was, you know, these are all one-year deals. I'm like, 
were they all multi-year deals? John Robinson added Lonnie Johnson last year on a one-year deal. Josh Kalou on a one-year deal. He traded for Ugo Amadi before cutting him a few weeks later. Uh, Andrew Adams was on a one-year deal. There's just four safeties he added last year on one-year deals. And I'm pretty sure there was a fifth that escapes me right now. He was a final 53 cut. It's driving me nuts because... He definitely, like, he had played a few years in the league. I thought he had a decent chance at making the roster. He played mm-hmm. in at least one of those preseason games. He played well, and then he got hurt. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. He was Hit a... us up on Twitter, at Justin M yes. underscore NFL. Who was the fifth safety that John Robinson signed last year who did not, just barely did not make it to the final roster? Okay, let's get into the main topic for today because <laughs> we got a lot of names to go through, and we're going to get right into it. So first off, I'm looking at top 30 visits. We have, I'm I'm going to use, you know, you have obviously been a huge resource to people. You're probably, you know, the best, one of the best, if not the best guy out there at reporting these pre-draft visits, meetings, and all of the things that go on between teams and players at this time of year. But I'm also going to lean heavily on a list that Zach from Football and Other F-Words tweeted out uh, a couple days ago when we were at 20 names on the list. So I'm going to start there. But he also included a few virtual visits and, a, and uh, virtual visits and local visits which don't count obviously against the team's top 30 so using zach's list here we have um position counts that we're going to go through i want to start with the cornerbacks because there's a lot of cornerbacks on this list Mm. it's a a need that a lot of titans fans don't want to admit as a real possibility in the first or second round with these draft picks a lot of titans fans want the team to go offense totally understandable why they would want that but i think as you know people who cover the team as fans of the team we all need to recognize that there is a pretty good chance the Titans end up taking a cornerback, if not at 11, at least at pick 41, especially when you look at the list of guys that we know have been in for top 30s. So I'm going to read off four names to you now, Justin, and then we can react to each one. But the four guys are cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi State, cornerback Julius Brents, Kansas State, cornerback Cam Smith from South Carolina, and quarterback Quan Quan Quan. Quan Martin from uh, Illinois, Devon Witherspoon's secondary teammate back there. So what do you think of these four guys? I will personally start off by saying I know that you love Julius Brents. And personally, I love Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes is one of those guys that's like, you know, a very rare outlier in terms of his body build. He has uh, he's like 165 pounds. He's like a one percentile weight kind of guy. But Really, like, really outstanding playmaker. Six pick sixes in his college career, and then I know you are in love with the the player Julius Brents. Are either of these guys candidates to go in the first round? I think Julius Brents probably has an outside shot, just because of the size, right? The height, the weight. He's got like ninety ninth percentile arm length and wingspan. And then I think the vertical jump and broad jump were both like 95th percentile. Like that's ridiculous, right? Like it's kind of hard to look at that and say that guy's got no, remember a few years ago we were doing this pod and you you know exactly what I'm going to say already. I looked at a guy that was similar to to some of those metrics and was the Green Bay Packers first round pick Eric Stokes. And no one was mocking him in the first round. And I said, what are we missing on Eric Stokes? Like he's an elite athlete, big time ball production, all this stuff sounds like a first round corner. And then he went in the first round. I kind of got a similar opinion on Julius Prince. Now this is a really deep corner class, right? So that could maybe hurt him a little in terms of his first round shot. But I, I am a huge fan. You, I, I, I chuckled to myself when you said, you know, I, I think the whole world knows I like Julius Prince. I've made it 
very obvious. Uh, I, I love the tape. I had a chance to interview him. I love his attitude. If you haven't had a chance to watch him, just watch the matchups with Quinton Johnston out of TCU. They were so much fun, especially when everyone thought Johnston was like the number one receiver in the draft. They just went back and forth all game long, right? Like he got beat, then he recovered. You know, he made a cup, he had an interception, he forced the fumble. Like they just went back and forth all day long, jawing at it. And, and, and he's a lot of fun. Uh, you're a big Emmanuel Forbes guy. I mean, so am I to a degree. I, I do worry about the long sort of wiry frame, right? Yeah. He's extremely, you know, thin limbed, so to speak. Um, but six career pick sixes, you mentioned, that's an FBS record, like all time. It's, I think he's got 14 career interceptions at Mississippi State. Like, that's ridiculous. The one thing that kind of comes to mind immediately when you say those two players, Emmanuel Forbes and Julius Branson, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them in a bucket here for now. I have a, a bit of a hard time sort of reconciling the Titans' interest in them, even though I like both, because I've always considered the Titans a team that wants to play a lot of man coverage. Mm -hmm. a lot of press man coverage. And I think both of them are zone cover corners. Like that's the one thing holding me back from thinking the Titans would draft either. I mean, they they brought them on in visits, right? And it's not a hundred percent man coverage. Right. But like the concern on Brent's was long speed and he didn't run a very good 40 um, at the combine. So I think even though, you know, he's got that length and, and the wingspan to play man coverage and, you know, disrupt timing, I do think you like him a bit better in zone where you could sort of protect the long speed. And then you could still have, you know, have him drive forward on the ball and he could use that length to disrupt the catch point, right? Uh, and Forbes, I mean, the, the six career pick sixes, 14 interceptions, that's all instincts on tape with him. That's all zone coverage and jumping jump routes. He's so good at that. So, that's the one part I have a hard time with when it comes to the two of them and their fit for the Titans. The other one was uh, Quan Martin, who whose real full name is Jart- Jartavius Martin. Uh, hmm. Love watching Illinois on tape. Pro, I call, everyone always talks about pro style offense. No one talks about pro style defenses. Illinois runs an NFL level defense. That's part of why Devon Witherspoon might be the first corner drafted. He's so technically advanced. Quan Martin, maybe we're not giving him enough love. 4.4640, 1.47 10-yard split, 44-inch vertical, 11-foot, 1-inch broad jump. That is wow. ridiculous numbers, stupid, silly numbers. Very interesting that they met with him, and I forgot who the fourth one was. So the, the fourth one is Cam Smith, who, you know, yes. he could be a first-round pick too. I think what's interesting is all these guys are potentially in play if they slip to 41 because yes. they, they're all kind of the like first, guys that – Well, maybe not Quan Martin. Maybe not Quan Martin, but the, the first – these other three guys are yes. like guys that you could see going in the first round, but, you know, not as – like it depends how many cornerbacks go. Right. For example, Cam Smith is the number four cornerback on CBS – sports big board rank i've seen him as the number seven corner on on another site so like you know everyone has their own rankings for these guys but cam smith out of south carolina what do you what are your thoughts on him right so the cam it's fine i had lost my thought there because cam smith to me is the anti julius brents and um and emmanuel forbes where i think he's a man cover corner all day long He's twitchy, he's quick, he's explosive, he's extremely physical and aggressive at the line of scrimmage. He, he loves, again, disrupting timing, uh, uh, he wants to get his hands on you. And I think he's kind of, I don't know what I would call it. What's that word? But 
like he's suffering from that syndrome where he's been a little too good for too long. Like he's almost <laughs> boring to talk. About. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's the same thing where people are saying, well, Anderson might not be the first edge player drafted. Like, what? Why? He's the best <laughs> player in the draft, period. Like, why would he not? <sighs> Do you remember last year? Everyone was like, man, if Will Anderson was draft eligible, he'd be the number one overall pick in the draft. Okay, and I get it. There's quarterbacks this year. That's why he's not going to be number one. But now we're saying he's not going to be the first edge taken? Like, are, are you kidding me? Like, Tyree Wilson is... He the first... <laughs> Tyree Wilson is exciting and cool, but like, I mean, you don't even have to scout Will Anderson. You just look at a, no. the box score, which is the worst thing I, I've ever said probably as a draft scout. But this well, guy you can't has do like, it with Will I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable how many sacks this dude has accumulated over a long-standing career of like like production. Second all time. That, He's second yeah. all time in Alabama history. Like <laughs> he showed up in 2020 as a freshman and earned a starting job at Alabama. Like yeah. He's unbelievable. Like he's the best player in the draft, bar none. So I think Cam Smith, not to that degree, obviously, but I think he's sort of suffering from that same, ah, he's kind of boring. Like, can I find someone else to prop up? Cause I've known he's been good for so long. Like if I recall correctly and things change, of course, don't get me wrong, but at the conclusion of the 2022 draft, he was like the number one consensus corner going into 2023. Everyone was like, yeah, Cam Smith is the guy at South Carolina. And I thought he had a pretty, you know, uh, I thought he played good football this year. Um, uh, he was pretty good at the combine from what I recall. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if I'm recalling that correctly, I, perhaps you can pull him up. I'm pretty sure he was pretty damn good at the combine. I like him. And you're right. I think he's in that bucket where if he's not a first round pick. Uh, he could be there at 41. And I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if the Titans considered him. Like you talked about the need at the position. I understand why everyone wants offense. The offense is really bad. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, it's really bad. Uh, but the corner, like Christian Fulton's entering a contract year. We know how Mike Rabel feels about injury prone players. They signed Sean Murphy bunting to a one-year deal. And then I, I don't know what else they have. You yeah, know, and Roger I don't think McCurry, they know. Yeah. Roger McCurry coming off an up and down rookie year. Elijah Molden can't stay healthy. Caleb Farley can't stay healthy. Like this is... It's like, get ready Titans fans. They're drafting a cornerback. (laughs) It's, it's a pretty bad room in all honesty with question marks, right? A lot lot of, I can see it being decent, but there are a lot of question marks. And like, are there, you think Caleb Farley, uh, Kristen Fulton and Elijah Molden are making it through a 17 game season healthy. Right. I mean, not at this point, I don't. So that's why the Titans are meeting with all these cornerbacks. That's why they have clear interest in cornerbacks. And they had one other cornerback that was a local visit out of Vanderbilt, uh, Jeremy Lucien. Lucien? I'm sure our listeners know because of Vanderbilt how to say this guy's name, but I do not. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. They must have had their, I don't know if they had their local day already. Cause I wonder if that's the same. Cause their local day, like a bunch of guys are, are going to be there or will have been there. Like, Bunch of Tennessee's got the old lineman, Jeremy Carvin, I think is going to be there. Like if the local uh, Chattanooga's got a couple guys that there was a D tackle. I think that was initially reported from Chattanooga's the top 30 was actually just a local workout. I ended up doing some digging and finding out it was misreported as a top 30. Roughly uh, so, two dozen NFL draft prospects took part in the Titans local pro day go. on April 6th, 5th, 6th, something like oh, that. Oh, there you go. So I don't even remember that. that one flew. I mean, I was so busy as that one passed me by the local day, but uh, <laughs> there you go. That, that kid was likely just a, probably at the local workout at, at the beginning of the month. 
Okay, gotcha. All right, let's move on to another position of which we've seen plenty of interest. And uh, maybe we, you know, we went through this position in depth last week. So if there's anyone we've already talked about, we can just say refer to last week's episode. Um, but that is the offensive line. Of course, we have a, a handful of tackles, um, one or two guys that play on the interior, depending on how you, you know, view them coming out of this in this draft class. But Offensive tackle Jalen Duncan from Maryland, a guy that you've talked about quite a bit. Carter Warren from Pittsburgh, Anthony Bradford from LSU, and then some high, you know, really high level guys that are projected in, to be in the first round in Broderick Jones from Georgia and Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Interestingly missing from this list, I think, is Paris Johnson, who so many mock drafts of Paris Johnson, so much dot connecting with Ohio State and Mike Vrabel. Is this a case where the Titans got all the info they need because of their relationships with Ohio State that they don't need to bring in Paris Johnson for a pro day or sorry for a top 30 visit? Or is, you know, maybe the Titans aren't necessarily looking at Paris Johnson at 11 overall. What do you make of the offensive tackle list here? And, you know, just to point it out, there are two other guys on their virtual meeting list. Um, One of the guys from Chattanooga, McClendon Curtis. Um, another guy that you've talked about, Mark Evans from Arkansas Pine Bluff, and then the Minnesota center, John Michael Schmitz. So clearly doing their homework on the offensive line. And Braden Daniels from Utah, I previously reported, I think was a combine formal, maybe mm-hmm. why it's not on that list, but that's another one that I really like. They've shown interest in. I talked about him last week is like a, a real good fit for their zone blocking scheme at, at guard. Right. Uh, Jalen Duncan was the guy that entered the year, I thought, as like a top 20 prospect potentially. I think he you know, didn't have the greatest year and, and probably slid down to the second round. But again, you know, if they don't take a tackle at 11 and he's there at 41, or maybe they think about trading back, um, he's one of those rare, I, I said this last week, I think, but like a second or third round guy that I think is a left tackle, not a right mm-hmm. tackle. So if they right. do want to add one of those types uh, a, a bit later on, then he's someone that, that I do think makes sense. I also think he's being overly... Um, what's like people are being a little overly negative about him because he had the up and down year. I still think he's pretty damn good. And he was good at the senior bowl. I feel like no one feels like they're allowed to say nice things about Jalen Duncan. Like it, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me. I, I like him. He's, he's a good football player. Uh, Darnell writes an interesting one on that list. He's, he's obviously shooting up draft boards. Like, I don't know where the heck this guy's going to get drafted. I think Daniel Jeremiah had him number nine overall in his mock wow. or something along those lines. So the bears, like, just straight up, ninth overall, first tackle drafted. New York Jets, 13 overall, book it. <laughs> book it. You heard him, right? You heard it here first from Gray. Book it. <laughs> book it. <laughs> he's, uh, he's played left tackle. He's played right tackle at Tennessee. I, I think I mentioned last week, I think he's a right tackle. I think 11's a little early for him, uh, in my opinion, but I guess you never know. Der- Daniel Jeremiah is pretty connected. If he's saying he's got a shot to go ninth overall, then – yeah, teams may be higher on him than we think. Uh, who were some of the other linemen that were on that list? Uh, talk about Carter Warren from Pittsburgh, because yeah. I don't know anything about him. I think I talked about him very briefly probably last week. He's a guy that very much intrigues me on day three because he's got a lot of good years of tape, at, and Pittsburgh's a good program. I think he's like a four-year starter, started like 39, 40 games, and like good tape like for every year. And then the thing with him is he got hurt in 2022. That's what mm, I said last week. Like, I think right. he only played three or four games this past year. That's right. And he's going to be 25, I think, as a rookie. So, yeah, those are the two caveats on him is that he's going to be one of those older rookies and he wasn't healthy in 2022. But he's one of those guys, you know, 
it could be a value pick on day three. And I, I pause to think how I want to present this, but it's like, if he's one of those guys where you watch the tape and you purely on tape, you've got like a second or third round grade on him, but you're going to get him in the sixth because he's 24, 25 and he's hurt. Then that's a pick you make all day long, right? You, you don't care about age. If you know, really you're getting him in the sixth. you get four five, six good years out of him. You take that all day long or more a like pick, right? Offensive linemen have some of the longer, you know, career projections of any position. So I think, you know, potentially even longer than that. What about Anthony Bradford LSU? Yeah, I reported, I think that top 30 on Bradford, uh, left and <laughs> right. Yeah, guard. You did. <laughs> I think I did at least if I didn't, I knew about it and someone else beat me to it. I'm not sure, but <laughs> left, left and right guard versatility with Anthony Bradford. Um, underrated combine. I thought he looked real smooth out there. Good mover. He's one of those guys you get value on in day three as well. Like I think he'll be on an NFL roster next year. I don't think he's earlier than like a fifth round pick probably, but I think he can play both left and right guard LSU underrated performer. I thought he had a really good combine. I thought he looked really smooth. Um, I like him. I do. Interesting guy too. I had a chance to interview him. and I, I didn't realize that he's born and bred in Michigan. And, um, you know, I, I obviously being in Toronto, I'm not that far from Michigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoyed talking to him about making the move from Michigan to Louisiana. Because I'm like, I imagine that's just a different world altogether. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I grew up in the country of Michigan and I experienced some hardcore culture shock when <laughs> I got to Louisiana. Like, I, I can't think of, you know, there, there are many places in the States that are probably as different as Michigan and Louisiana. So yeah. I had a lot of fun with him. He's a good player, man. I like him, and I think he makes a lot of sense for a team on day three. Yeah, good athlete too. Um, and then Broderick Jones, we spoke about him last week, yeah. a guy that was being mocked to the Titans You know, back in January, February. I think Bucky Brooks' first mock draft had the Titans taken Broderick Jones. This is a guy that I've seen like slipping down mock draft boards, and I don't really get why because, as you said last week, you know, he's a starting left tackle on the back-to-back national championship team. Like what more do you need to see from him? <laughs> really good player. And I, I I'll keep it short. Cause I talked a lot about him last week. If I recall correctly, I said um, last week and I'll reiterate, like there's no reason you should have a way higher grade on Paris Johnson jr. Than you have on Broderick Jones, like Titans fans all seem to fall in love with Paris Johnson jr. Early. And I think that was a result of like every mock draft having Paris Johnson jr. And of course the Buckeye connection, I think helps. I do. I don't know if I'm contradicting myself. I do like Paris Johnson slightly better than I like Broderick Jones, but it's really, really close. Like I plan to drop my final big board next week, hopefully on the Monday and uh, I think I've got Paris Johnson at like 10 or 11 and Broderick at like 13. Like it's that close for me. I wouldn't bat an eye if the Titans took Broderick Jones ahead of Paris Johnson. I think he's a really good left tackle. I was listening to the pick six podcast today with uh, they did a mock draft um, between it was, I think, Ryan Wilson. And he had Rick Spielman on the mm. podcast with him to like, you know, give a, his opinion on all the mock drafted picks. Rick Spielman, if you don't know, spent 15 years in the Minnesota Vikings front office. He was a general manager for 10 seasons there. I mean, it like, you know, think what you want of guys that get fired from the GM job, but this guy's done it at a, a you know, the highest possible level and, and level, pretty, yeah. pretty good. Didn't he, he draft his, Justin Jefferson like just yeah. two years, like two years ago. <laughs> right. Um, he said on the podcast that he thinks Paris Johnson is, you know, a solid player, but he doesn't see him as, you know, reaching a Pro Bowl player caliber status. So to him, he saw, you know, um, I think Ryan Wilson mocked 
Paris Johnson to the bears at nine. And he was like, nine's a little bit high for me on this prospect. So I don't know that we're going to see Paris Johnson go as high necessarily as, you know, all the mock drafts are having him go. And I could see him going after Broderick Jones. And again, the Titans did not to our knowledge meet with Paris Johnson. It's an interesting omission from this list. And we know of 24 top 30 visits, right? right, Essentially. There's only six other ones out there. (laughs) There's only six out there. So the odds are against Paris Johnson being a top 30 visit. Uh, like you said, I mean, they saw him at the pro day. Maybe they had a combine formal. Maybe it's a smoke screen and they don't want anyone to know they're actually interested in him. So they didn't bring him in. Clearly they're seeing all these top thirties have leaked essentially every single one right. pretty much outside of five or six. So yeah, I like I'll end with this. Yeah. Broderick Jones could go ahead of him. Darnell Wright could go ahead of him. Yeah. Absolutely. Peter Skaronsky could go ahead of him. I think right? Peter like, Skaronsky will be the top, the first lineman off the board. I actually think that despite the short arms, despite the potential move to guard, like you said, he's, he's the, the cleanest. Tape. You said he's the cleanest evaluation in the class. So at the I position, did. so he's got the best tape out of any of them. So, all right, let's talk about some wide receivers here, and I'm ho- intentionally holding off quarterbacks because I think it's going to be the most interesting discussion. But uh, let's do let's do the wide receivers. There's a pretty good list of wide receivers here. First, I'll go through the top 30s, which include wide receiver Nathaniel Dell, aka Tank Dell, out of Houston. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, Ole Miss. Quinton Johnston from TCU, who I am, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Quinton Johnston's game, but if he's like the pick at 41, I can get on board with it. Uh, Zay Flowers, Boston College, and Tyler Scott from Cincinnati was not a top 30 visit, but the Titans did have a private dinner with him before his pro day. So that is like almost more meaningful than a top 30 visit to me. Um, I don't know if any of these guys, like to me, the Titans are not going to be in range to draft Zay Flowers at 11. I don't think he lasts till 41. They're definitely not taking any of these players at 11. They Again, same thing with Paris Johnson. No Jackson Smith and Jigba on this list. I feel like the two most common guys that have seen mock to the Titans besides quarterbacks are Paris Johnson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And if neither of them are visits, again, they both have the Ohio State thing. Maybe they don't need – maybe they have the info they already need. But to me, it's a little bit telling – about the direction this team will go. And, you know, we'll find out obviously what these visits really mean for Rand Carthon after we see him conduct a a full draft. But at this point, to me, this tells me the Titans are looking on day two or later for their wide receivers. Yeah, I think that's, you know, a a potential, potential possibility for sure. Uh, You're right. I agree that none of those guys are worth 11th overall. I mean, the only one that you would even think is a possibility is Quinton Johnston, I think, at 11, right? Because there are some people who are still really high on him. I agree with you. We're like, I think I'm a little higher on him than you are, but he does scare me. Like, I remember watching the tape back in, like, November when everyone was like, oh, my God, this guy. And I was like, I don't think I'm that impressed. Like, am I – I was, like, double and triple checking tape because I'm like, am I missing something? Because – For me, the thing that scares the crap out of me with him is change of direction. I I don't think he changes direction very well. And to me, that's a a bang on indicator of someone that usually struggles to separate from man coverage at the next level. And that always scares me. Another thing I saw, um, his position coach was like interviewed somewhere recently. I wish I could credit the source. I don't remember. Um, talking about how his drop problem is not a drop problem. It's a, he's thinking about how he's going to, you know, pick up yards after the catch, what, what his first move is going to be and, and taking his eyes off the ball and, and failing to really 
make every catch he should make and that you know he's not necessarily a body catcher he just sometimes starts thinking about his run after catch before he uh, is able to to catch the ball and sometimes he he makes those drops and to me that all sounds like complete nonsense like this is a position <laughs> coach out there you know making a case for his guy to me more than it is like a legitimately valid reason why like oh he'll just fix that and not have a drop problem anymore like i don't really buy that i called him cordero patterson in our group chat which I actually think is a pretty good, you know, comp, you know, Cordero Patterson is hard to tackle. He's good in space. He's a big guy, not the best route runner, but he can catch, you know, balls that are, that are thrown to him. Not every time, but pretty well. Um, Zach from football and other efforts called him Laquan Treadwell, <laughs> which I thought was even harsher. Um, that's definitely, but harsh. yeah, that's where I'm at on Quentin Johnson. If he's the pick at 41, like he can be a playmaker who, you know, you, you get the ball to and, and in space and let him make something happen. But to me, he's like, Pick 11 overall would be pretty rich there. Um, but I think we should move on because we've already talked about Quentin Johnson quite a bit. We, I mean, we talked about basically all these guys on our wide receiver episode two weeks ago. So if anyone wants to go back and listen to that. But Zay Flowers is a guy that I feel like has the biggest range of opinions where people think he could be the first receiver off the board or he could slip out of the first round entirely. He was one of 18 guys that has been confirmed to be attending the draft make of that what you will to me that signals that the league probably views him as a first round pick um which is why i don't think he's an option for the titans because they're not going to take him at 11 he's probably not going to be there at 41 do they trade up from 41 into the you know back half of the first round to try to take this guy do they trade back from 11 and if he's there in range they they select him i don't know what do you think about i guess just the rest of this list tank dell jonathan mingo zay flowers and tyler scott What what is the draft range Zay Flowers probably is going to be a first-round pick. I think you're right about that. He's attending the draft. A lot of smoke connecting him to the New England Patriots, who mm-hmm. are at 14 overall. I do think that's early for him, but if that's mm-hmm. where he's going to go and the Titans love him, I would be pretty surprised. I'd be very surprised, actually, if they took him at 11. But um, there are people who love him. Love. Yeah. Like, there are like the, a prime Antonio Brown comparisons before yeah. he lost his marbles and <laughs> – like, you know, pre-helmet Antonio Brown, pre-helmet Antonio Brown. Uh, inside, outside versatility, dynamic route runner, undersized, right? There's there, there's no way around it. He's undersized, right? So interesting compliment maybe to Traylon Burks because his game mm-hmm. is completely different. So if they wanted to go in that direction, I, I'd understand that pairing. But Jonathan Mingo, who you brought up on that list, he's more their type in my opinion, yeah. right? Big physical route runner after the catch. I hate, I think I, I said this a million times, but I'll say it again. It sounds like helmet scouting. I promise it's not. He reminds me so much of AJ Brown from a body composition standpoint, how physical he is and, and how he creates after the catch for himself. But I do not think he's nearly as good of a separator. So that's where you'll say, okay, Justin, you didn't helmet scout. Uh, not nearly as good of a separator, at, at least on tape. Like I know the athletic metrics and stuff were really impressive, but I didn't see that on tape in all honesty. Like I thought for the most part, corners were typically within his hip pocket, which mm-hmm. concerned me a little. But then when I think of this Titans offense, I think of all the bang play action and the ways they can easily get the ball in his hands, running these simple seven, eight, nine yard routes, uh, where then you let him create for himself post catch, which is his best ability. I think by far, he's a guy I like on that list a lot. 41 would be a little early for him. I don't know that he'd be there at 71 or 72, wherever they're picking there, but uh, he's totally their type and fits their mold. The only thing that's interesting to me is 
similar from Traylon Burks to the degree where you want to get the ball in his hands quickly, physical, let him create. I wonder if they would want a different type of receiver to complement Burks. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then Tank Dell, we, we went through Tank Dell quite a bit two weeks ago, so I'll leave that where it is. And uh, Tyler Scott, same thing. We talked about him quite a bit. I just want to point out again, that I think that connection is really strong. We Me know the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati connection is strong because of, you know, Luke Fickle, who's not at Cincinnati anymore, but he was there and yep. was, you know, the best man at Mike Vrabel's wedding. So that's definitely a, a pretty strong connection. And again, the conclusion I'm trying to draw here, I don't think the Titans are looking at first round wide receiver maybe i'm wrong but uh based on this visit list you know if we're just gonna do a mock draft of guys that are on this visit list like you're probably taking broderick jones at 11 and maybe julius brents if he's still there at 41 and then maybe like jonathan mingo in the third round like that's probably what we're scott it's a tougher year right like i predicted isaiah wilson uh, I predicted Caleb Farley. Uh, shame on me, I guess, for getting both of those right. But uh, <laughs> I've done pretty good over the years. You remember that one year I predicted like five of their yeah. picks, five in a row. I'll, I'll probably never do that again. I, I'm going to tell my great great grandchildren about that because that was like a freaky occurrence. Um, this year's tough, man. It's re- it's yeah. tough at eleven. It's really tough. Yeah. And as people who cover the Titans, as Titans fans, like usually we're the people that the big experts come to the like, who do you think your team's going to take? It's like, bro, your guess is as good as mine, which leads me to, I think, the premier position in the league. Obviously, that's not an I think that is, you know, just a fact, the Titans and the (laughs) quarterbacks. (laughs) (laughs) So the Titans have shown a lot of interest in the quarterback class. And we've talked about this a bit on this podcast already, but we're going to run through it again here because Top 30 visits include Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and Hendon Hooker, the three guys that you would expect to potentially be on the board in a, whether it be a trade-up scenario to three or guys who may or may not fall all the way to 11. Titans also were at CJ Stroud's Pro Day where they had dinner with him. They were also at Bryce Young's Pro Day. I don't know if they actually met extensively with Bryce Young at that pro day event. They probably like everyone else have figured out that he is going number one. Don't really have a chance at him just doing their due diligence, you know, have something to compare the other guys to, but the other four all very strong possibilities. And a lot has been made about this S2 cognitive test. If you follow the draft, I'm sure you've heard of this. Now it's a thing that's blowing up. We're going to hear about it probably a lot more over the next week and a half as we gear up and really close in on the draft. But Anthony Richardson, it was reported, knocked it out of the park. I heard a number that I cannot reveal that I would not necessarily qualify as knocking out of the park, but pretty good, pretty good. Will Levis in the 90s. Bryce Young, we know, highest score of anyone this year. CJ Stroud reportedly scored pretty low on this S2 test. The Titans have just recently started using the S2 test. There are rumors swirling on Twitter as of Monday that there may not be much of a market of teams that want to trade up to number three, Peter King reported this, that teams that want to trade up for CJ Stroud, the market doesn't look too hot. The Texans are reportedly not that into CJ Stroud split in the building on whether or not he can be the guy. It's crazy. Is this crazy or what? (laughs) To me, it's crazy because I I really like him as a prospect. Um, I think, and I've said this a, a ton on this podcast, but I think he throws with the best sense of anticipation of any quarterback in this class. Um, he's extremely accurate. He's a great decision maker. 
Um, he goes through his progressions. Yes, he's had a lot of talent at receiver. I mean, he's thrown to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison. I mean, that, all that's unbelievable. But he did go through his progressions, and I thought he ran a, like a, like a, essentially a pro-style offense. I thought they, they asked him to go through his progressions. I like him a lot. He's my number two ranked quarterback. I have him fairly comfortably ahead of Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Um, I have Bryce Young number one. Playing quarterback on tape still matters to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought he was really good playing quarterback on tape. And Anthony yeah. Richardson and Will Levis, not as much, right? So about this S2 test thing, Bryce Young has reportedly been practicing the S2 test since high school. Smart. <laughs> so is he really like it makes these scores a little questionable to me. I don't know if that means that, you know, maybe he scored a freaking 90, whatever the first time he took it in high school. And he's just always been a really quick cognitive processor, or maybe he like knew how the test was going to function and knew what to expect and was (laughs) therefore faster, not necessarily having the answers, but you know, the whole point is to process, like determine how fast you process information. If he already know is familiar with the test and what kind of like processing it requires that can help him answer the questions faster. CJ Stroud, I heard a rumor that like maybe he wasn't really taking it all that seriously, didn't think it was like a really big important thing, didn't really know what he was getting into when he took the test and didn't score quite as high. So like to me, I don't know how much weight we should really be putting into this test, but I do know that NFL general managers are putting weight into this test. So does that open an opportunity for the Titans to get CJ Stroud without a trade up? or to pay less in a trade-up because they're not competing against as many teams. I don't know if I buy any of this. Like, we are two weeks out from the draft. This is where things get really messy in terms of what you can believe. So I don't know enough about the S2 test, in all honesty, for me to make a, a, you know, a, a convincing argument one way or the other. I will say... You know, and I'm sure he was well prepared for everything because he's got one of the best agents in the game. But these guys fill out so much paperwork, so many tests throughout this period. Like, I wouldn't totally rule out within without you know within the realm of possibility that it's like he didn't know what he was getting. It's more paperwork I got to fill out, or you know what I mean? Like it got lost in translation somewhere along the way, and I don't know, right? But I do agree with you without knowing too much about this test that I would be a little hesitant to put so much stock into it. Like, I still think playing quarterback is the most important thing, right? And I thought, like, did you ever watch him on tape? And we're like, oh, my God, this guy can't process or he's a slow, you know, where's the cognitive function? Like, no, like, <laughs> looks pretty good on uh, in the national championship game against Georgia where he nearly single-handedly won that game. And I'm sorry, Ohio State's roster was nowhere near as good as Georgia's. They had no business competing in that game. There wasn't a college football team this year that was even close to Georgia. I don't care what you said. Maybe you want to, you know, you want to keep some interest. Oh, no, no one. Like it was always going to be Georgia to win the national championship. No one was close. And I, I say that. And CJ Stroud took his team down the field. They missed a field goal at the end to win the game. He was incredible in that game. He was unbelievable yeah. in that game. He's my number two quarterback. I am buying into this report, though. Maybe I'm being hoodwinked, run amok, led astray. I don't know. Whatever Stephen A. Smith says on that meme, <laughs> that's uh, very popular. Um, if I was to predict right now, in fact, I just released a brand new mock draft at the draftnetwork.com. I did have him going to the Titans in a trade-up, but I had the Titans trading up to sixth overall Mm. and he was the fourth quarterback drafted 
Wow. Um, I believe, I think in my scenario, if I recall correctly, <laughs> uh, yes, he was the fourth quarterback drafted. He was the fourth quarterback drafted. And I do think he's going to be the fourth quarterback drafted. I do. Wow. I'm buying into this report. I think it's Bryce Young one. I think Anthony Richardson is the second quarterback drafted at third overall. And I think, uh, I think Will Levis is the third quarterback drafted. And then I think it's CJ Stroud. And I don't know where he's going to go. Could be the Titans, could be the Las Vegas Raiders. I could see a team like the Minnesota Vikings and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If he starts sliding far enough, I think the Bucs at 19 and Minnesota at 24 are candidates to move up for a quarterback. Neither of them have an answer there. Tampa Bay are in salary cap hell and they couldn't pursue an expensive quarterback. So the rookie route would make a lot of sense because they'd get one on a four-year cost control deal. And Minnesota, Kirk Cousins is in a contract year. They didn't sign him to an extension. They don't want to sign him to an extension. And I think they realize it's time to move on. And if they can get a guy in the building right now and prepare him, I think they would, they would jump at that opportunity. So um, I think he's going to be the fourth quarterback drafted. I do. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm with you fully on that, but I can see why you think that. And I could see it playing out that way. I want to talk quickly about Will Levis because we've talked about him a bit on this show and this is a guy where the hate has just gone too far, right? I mean, the hate has gone too far. I put out a tweet over the weekend that my most controversial draft opinion is that I'd be okay if the Titans decided to take Will Levis. Now, I don't want the Titans to trade up for Will Levis. I don't think he's worth trading up for. My mentions got ex- like obliterated, by the way, when I, when I <laughs> sent that tweet off. Um, but if he's there at 11 and the Titan, and, you know, CJ Stroud is not, Anthony Richardson is not, Bryce Young is not, and they like him, like this guy runs their offense essentially. Like he already knows their offense. He's been spitting out 20 word play calls in the huddle at Kentucky. There's none of that like rookie transition where he doesn't know how to take a snap under center that we hear about every freaking August with some quarterback still learning how to take a snap as if they hadn't done it in third grade, right? <laughs> um, there's no like, like he'll have to learn the Titans verbiage, but there's no like transition from like reading a, a big sign with a cartoon character on it that they're holding <laughs> up on the sidelines for the play call in into like actually spitting out a really long West Coast offense style play call. He can do those things. He didn't have a lot of receiving help to throw to at Kentucky. I mean, he was out there on there was, his own. There was no one he, this past there was year. There's no one this year. Last year he had Wandale Robinson who like a lot of people were laughing at the fact that Wandale Robinson might be drafted on day two, which he ended up getting drafted on day yeah, two. He was. Um, he didn't make much of an impact due to injury last year, but like, this is a guy that like tested horribly. And everyone was like, is Wondell Robinson even actually good? Remember this conversation last year? Like he was very electric for Kentucky and for Will Levis, but like, it's not like he's out there throwing to Marvin Harrison jr. And, and, uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jackson yeah. Smith and Jigba. Like, I think there's a real argument to be made that if you put Will Levis in the Ohio state offense, he has similar numbers to CJ Stroud. I, I don't know if like. I necessarily buy that there's that big of a gap. I do think Stroud is in a tier above Levis, but all this to say, I don't think the Titans are going to drop Will Levis. I just wanted to like clarify where I stand on that. I do think the Colts are going to pick him at four. That's like one of the things I'm most sure about in this draft. I think it's Bryce Young at one and Will Levis at four and anything else can happen between and after that. (laughs) But um, anyway, I I wanted to get that off my chest. (laughs) I do. I, I like Will Levis too. Maybe not as much as you, um, I think I don't love said, him by any means. Like I don't know. That I thought he's you had be... said you would trade like their next eight first round picks. Oh, stop to, it! To go up and get Will. Like no, uh... Will Levis might be like Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins level type of quarterback. And yeah. if like if you're the kind of guy that's like I need better than that because we've just experienced Ryan Tannehill, 
then sure, like reach for the stars, swing for Anthony Richardson. If he's a bust, then you try again in three or four years, like, and you're just stuck in that cycle forever because you're swinging for the ultimate high. And like, I get that. I get that argument completely because if he hits a ceiling, you know, he could be the best quarterback in the league. And I totally understand that. But if you're, you know, we had this conversation a few weeks ago where it's like, what's easier to build a roster that's complete around an, a mediocre quarterback or finding the quarterback that can cover up all of your roster holes. It's like, that is extremely hard to do. So if you feel okay about Will Levis, you think you can build a team around him and win with him then take him at 11, who cares? <laughs> I, I, I do like him more than the average Titans fan does. Cause they hate him. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I do. I, I, I think he was put in a tough situation at Kentucky this year. Um, but I, ha- I don't know if I've said this on this show, and it could be an elaborate smoke screen, but for our listeners, I-, I hope I'm giving you some exclusive information. I've heard they don't really like him. Yeah. I've heard from a pretty decent sports source, excuse me, that they don't like him, that they're not high on Will Levis. The Titans aren't. So again, I could be, I'll pull up the Stephen A. Smith again. Maybe I'm being hoodwinked, run him, run him up <laughs> or stray, whatever it's called, whatever he says, but I've heard they don't like him. Yeah. I've heard they weren't very impressed with him when they've had the chance to speak with him. And they've had a lot of chances to speak with him, right? They brought him in for the top 30. There was also like a pro day meeting or interview, some dinner, something along those lines. And I heard, um, yeah, that I'll leave it at that. I, I heard they don't love him. Yeah. So I'm not really worried that the Titans even will take Will Levis. I just wanted my point out there. Hendon Hooker. I'm starting to think Hendon Hooker is going to fall out of the first round. I don't know what to think on Hendon Hooker anymore, man, because he's, I'm just throwing my hands up. If you see that, I was like, <laughs> if I had papers, I would have thrown them in the air. Cause it's like, <laughs> we did this thing where like October, November, where we were like, is Hendon Hooker a first round quarterback? I remember writing that article. And then he like tore the ACL and in November and everyone was like, Oh man, like a torn ACL. He's 25 years old. Um, he runs a one read offense at Tennessee that manufactured spacing. It's there's almost no NFL concepts there. Um, he's a mid round pick. And now we're, we went back to like, no, he's going in the first, like you don't realize how much NFL teams like him. And I, I said this again, I hope, I hope I'm not repeating myself too much on this episode, but I have spoken to Hendon Hooker a lot. He's an amazing human being. I imagine he's blowing teams away in these top 30 Mm. visits. He's awesome. He's an awesome human being face of the franchise type qualities. I don't know what to think anymore. A lot of mock drafts have him going in the first round. I do personally have some concerns over acclimating from the offense and the age and the ACL thing. I don't know where I land because I, I think we're kind of blowing them out of proportion in all honesty. I think that with the quarterback position, exactly. the age thing is like, exactly. the, if anything, it's a bonus. It's like you're older and more mature and able to like learn he's got, better. He's going to play 10 years <laughs> minimum, right? Yeah. No one wants a 25-year-old cornerback, a 25-year-old running back. I get that, right? But at quarterback, like he's going till 35, 36, right? Like if you get 10, 11, all pro years out of Hendon Hooker, you're not going to be like, damn it, he was 25 when I drafted him, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> that's not how it works. So I do. I, I think we're, I do think those two factors got blown out of proportion. Same with the ACL not as big of a deal for a quarterback. Remember when Tom Brady did it once upon a time, as, as I, yeah. I, think I pointed out, um, the fifth year option thing makes me think he can go in the first round. Yeah. And so like, look at like uh, the, the contracts. I know they tend to get negotiated a little earlier nowadays, but like Philadelphia Eagles probably wish they had a fifth year option on Jalen hurts, right? They just made him the highest paid player in NFL history. It, it helps. So 
I look at a team like the Houston Texans, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Tennessee Titans, Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Detroit Lions, all these teams that are sort of like in flux at quarterback. Minus Houston, because they, they should pick one at two, but there are a lot of rumors that they won't. <laughs> um, but any, all of those teams that may not take one at seven, 11, all the picks I just mentioned, 31 and 32, Philadelphia, Kansas City, prime, prime spots to trade out of, right? Yeah, definitely. Team, Tennessee are at 41, Houston at 33. Like one of those teams could easily come up, in my opinion, to 31, 32 and take Hendon Hooker. So you get that fifth year option, cost control deal. It's so helpful. Keep the cap hit low if he ends up being what you hope he is. Um, and, and those are all teams that could pass at, a, at quarterback with their first pick, right? So I, that's the only thing that leaves me thinking it's possible he goes in the first round. I think Hendon Hooker for the Titans fit would be a guy they trade up into the back half of the first round for, or if they trade way down from 11, I've heard rumors right. that the bills want to like come up for potentially B John or for an offensive lineman to solidify around Josh Allen. Like if that kind of trade manifests, then I could see them taking him late first round. If he falls to 41, I could see them taking him there, but he's not in play for the Titans at 11. In my opinion, uh, it would be a stunner. Right, it like it, center, it would be yeah. a draft day. Start. Although Mike Tannenbaum did say that the Seahawks might take him at five overall. Ha! Was, Good. <laughs> remember what you said about GMs that get fired or whatever <laughs> earlier? I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, all right, I think we should take a quick break here because it's time for our beef of the week, presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. I believe we each have a different one this week, which is kind of rare because before the show we were like. What's our beef of the week going to be? But uh, I'll start really quick and just get this out of the way. It's a quick one. My beef of the week this week is with people who have extremely definitive takes on the draft that say, <laughs> oh, this player is not lasting to blank, or this player is definitely going to go over blank, or this guy's going to be a really good player and the Titans are stupid if they don't draft. Like, If you have a fully definitive formed opinion on anything related to the draft, you are you haven't done it long enough. That's my opinion. Like. <laughs> we never ever know what's really going to happen. Who's going to go where, who's going to be great. It's the biggest crap shoot in sports is the NFL draft. So that's, that's my beef of the week. That's a really good point. And I'll, I'll, I'll build on that quickly. Um, I was interviewing a prospect the other day. I won't say who, and we were talking about my recently released mock draft and what people think of mock drafts. And now anytime you release a mock draft, Someone just jumps into your mentions and shits all over you. This is the worst thing I ever read. I hope you get explosive diarrhea. Like it's just always like everyone hates mock drafts, right? And I was like, can you imagine if I released a mock draft last year and I had the New England Patriots taking Cole Strange in the first round of my mock draft? Like I would have been, they would have ran me through the streets in Foxborough. I would have been stoned outside Gillette Stadium. Like they would have just totally hated me for saying that they were going to take Cole Strange in the first round, right? Like you just, remember when, this, when the Seattle Seahawks took Rashad Penny a few years ago? Yeah. And then they the linebacker, um, oh, tip of my tongue, come on. Texas State, Texas State, no, Texas State. Um, no, Texas Tech, excuse me. Damn it. The Seahawks do this every year. They, if they have a first Who's round pick, the they take some guy we never heard of. LJ Collier from TCU or wherever. Well, that was, that's another one, actually. <laughs> but the linebacker actually ended up being a pretty good player. He's a good player, and everyone crapped on them for that. At least he's a tackle machine. It's driving me nuts. I interviewed him like three months ago. Like He's, he's had three or four good years with the Seahawks. Texas a, Texas uh, Tech, like I said, because I talked to him about Tyree Wilson. Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks. That's the name I'm looking for. Excuse me. Like these, there are going to be picks that surprise. 
Uh, I'm going to leave beef of the week at that, actually, because I thought that was a really good one. I don't want to pollute it okay. with wine. That's our beef of the week, sponsored by the Pharmacy Burger, the best beef, the best burgers, the best appetite. They got some appetizers that I want to try. Yeah. Friendly reminder that my chiropractor recently went <laughs> to the Pharmacy Burger. I, I just love I still can't believe that. Like my chiropractor awesome. went to Nashville and he's like, pharmacy sponsors, this guy, I work on his back frequently because he sits at a desk all day and talks about the NFL draft. He's got a terrible back. I am very good for his business. He's very good for mine because he went to eat at the pharmacy. Boom. There we go. Pharmacy, burger parlor, and beer garden. Tell them the Music City Audible sent you. Okay, let's. Chiropractors from Toronto since 2023. That's the new slogan. (laughs) Should pitch that to them. I'm sure they'd love it. Um, Okay. Let's finish this thing up really quickly because the rest of the positions that the Titans have met with don't interest me at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We got three defensive linemen. <laughs> Three defensive linemen, including Keon White, who's the only guy Ooh. really projected to go even close to high. And the only reason I think Keon White is even going to be a first round pick is because he's going to the draft, the night night one of the draft. <laughs> the other two guys are Gervon Dexter from Florida, who like when I saw his name, I did not know what position he played. But then with the name Gervon Dexter, you have to be a defensive tackle. There is no other option <laughs> for you. And then uh, in the stars. Yeah. Vilaime Fehoko, who I don't know exactly much about, but I believe is related to San, uh, Los Angeles Chargers defensive lineman Braden Fehoko. Probably. I don't I don't know if he is or isn't. I mean, I think the odds are probably pretty good on that one. Um I love Keon White. I know you want me to run through this. I think I've talked about, I, I don't know if I've talked about him a lot. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't, but I've been talking about him since I've been talking about Julius Brent. So I think Keon White's one of those guys everyone knows I like. James Foster, our buddy at um, No Flags Film, doesn't like Keon White, I think. No. <laughs> he's one of those prospects I disagree with him on because I really like Keon White. I think he's got a really exciting inside-outside versatility. He was one of those guys where I was sold on after watching one game. And this happens to NFL GMs and scouts more often than we think, right? Like sometimes I think we're not confident in our, oh, I can't be sold after one game. I got to watch four or five. Well, a lot of times NFL GMs are like, yeah, I really like him. Watch Keon White against Georgia. Let me correct myself really quick before you finish your, your thought here. Uh, Fehoko is not the younger brother of Braden. There is, he, Braden does have a younger brother, but it's not this one. Go ahead. Well, I know what my <laughs> beef of the week is for next week. I'm disappointed with that piece of information that they're not. <laughs> They're not brothers. I'm very disappointed by that. Uh, Beef of the week with their family lineage next week. Uh, No, uh, I love Keon White, man. (laughs) Inside, outside versatility. I'm a huge fan. Gervon Dexter, I thought entered the year, similar to Jalen Duncan, was getting some first round buzz like way back in August when nothing matters. Um, Bit of a disappointing year. I think he's probably like a third or fourth round pick based on the year he had. And I'm going to raise my hand up and admit that I don't know anything really about Valami Fohoko. I don't, I'm going to, he's like a seventh, seventh round to UDFA projection on most places you look. So maybe the Titans will bring him in. And if they do, we'll talk about him then. Okay. Oh, I know who, no, I know who this guy is. I'll hold on. Sorry. I I was wrong about that. Um, I'll say this, uh, this means absolutely nothing, but he's repped by agents. um, That was in a lot of Titans. Titans drafted a lot of their players Mm. throughout the years. So uh, I don't. That probably means nothing, but uh, I, I do recognize. I do recognize the name. 
Interesting. All right, let's talk about tight end. Okay, we have one really confirmed top 30 visit tight end, and that's Sam Laporta from Iowa, reported by you. Um, pro, day, pro day visit, not top pro day 30. visit, not top. Oh, excuse me. So we don't have any confirmed top 30s with tight ends. Walter Football uh, reported Payne Durham, but sometimes Walter Football is not the most reliable when it comes to top 30 visits. So the Purdue tight end, Payne Durham, um, somebody put out there uh, a week or so ago that the Titans had spent significant time with Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid, projected first round pick. So I don't know if he really lines up with like where the Titans are going to be drafting unless they trade back pretty significantly from 11. And then, um, yeah, Sam Laporta, who was just a pro day meeting. So I don't know how much we really think the Titans still need a tight end after they signed Trayvon Wesco last week, but there is a chance that they like do need a young developmental tight end to pair with Chigaquanko. And they haven't shown a ton of interest, at least in terms of what we've been reported at what we've, what we've seen reported, um, on these guys outside of like, you know, really Sam Laporta and then like significant interest, significant time spent with Dalton Kincaid make of that what you will. I don't think the Titans are going to be in a position to draft Dalton Kincaid. Um, and then Payne Durham was a reported top 30 visit, but unconfirmed. So maybe he's a guy they're targeting. Stay tuned to my Twitter. I'll try to get to the bottom of that Payne Durham. Cause I didn't know that. Um, mm. so if you hear that, I probably won't be able to get to the bottom of it by the end of this episode, but I'll try, um, but stay tuned to my Twitter. Cause I'll, I'll try to get to the bottom of, of that, whether if that's true or not. Um, Sam Laporte is a tight end. I really like from Iowa dual threat guy. I look, Iowa tight ends. They come ready to play. Yeah. They if know you're a tight block, end from Iowa, they know how to catch passes. Draft done. done. <laughs> yeah. That's that simple. <laughs> And I just did, I actually just published an interview with him, with Sam Laporta at the Draft Network. The tape is, he's athletically gifted more so than I thought, in all honesty. Like he tested at the combine better than I thought he would. Um, dual thread guy. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a second round pick. I mm. wouldn't. I, I think we're sleeping on him a little. I think he belongs in that bucket with like, you know, Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan and um, Tucker Kraft out of South Dakota State. Like some of these tight ends that are getting a lot of second round love. I think he's right in that bucket with them just a little below like the Darnell Washington's and the Luke Musgraves. I like them better, mm -hmm. uh, but I really like Sam Laporte. I can play in line, can detach, obviously runs really crisp routes. He had 550 receiving yards this year at Iowa. I joke. If you watch Iowa, I mean, they're, a, they're, they define run first offense. Like that's, they, they, that's <laughs> all they do, right? Like 500 receiving yards at Iowa is 3000 receiving yards somewhere else. Like it's, crazy that he even had like like no I, I think the second leading receiver had like 200 yards like wasn't even half of what he had this past year so i am a big fan who was the other tight end you had on was there another tight end you had on this dalton list? kincaid yeah i mean i'm not gonna say he's like the time. consensus no top one or two guys he is i said on a national radio appearance i made the other day and i mean this and I, i'm not it's not clickbaity if any of these tight ends turn into travis kelsey it'll be dalton kincaid like he by far has the highest upside as a pass catcher. He is unbelievable. Watch that one game. What is it, was it USC where he had like 19 catches? It was something stupid where they just couldn't cover him all game long. Like he's just unbelievable up the seam, like uncoverable for opposing safeties and linebackers. He is so good. I would not be stunned if he's the best pass catching tight end in this draft. Yeah, I, t I agree. I think I like Michael Mayer a little better just because of his versatility and ability to really be a punishing blocker. But right. if you're looking for the that like line them up outside and in the slot and let them run routes against linebackers type of tight end, 
Dalton Kincaid is your guy. I wonder if the meaning that the Titans had with him, all that was reported was that they spent extensive time with him, not that they had a top 30 or a pro day, or we don't even really know. Um, But I wonder if there was some medical recheck going on there because of his back issues and, you know, the Titans just experienced Caleb Farley. So that's uh, something to be wary of, at least there are a lot of people linking him to Green Bay at 15. So I don't really know how he's in play for the Titans. I don't know if he goes that high. I I tend to think NFL teams aren't going to draft tight ends in the top 20 to 25 because it's a really deep class and we have not seen first round tight ends work out very well um, recently. So we'll see how that shakes out, but just, you know, something to be aware of. Okay. The last position we have any connection to here, linebackers, two linebackers came in for top thirties that we know of Mahamud Diabate from Utah and Marte Mapu from Sacramento state. The Titans are probably drafting a day three linebacker just because they need to fill out the position group and the special teams unit, right? I don't know. Marte Mapu from Sacramento State should have been uh, at the combine. He was hmm. exceptional at the senior bowl. Bit of a tweener, right? That's the knock on him. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Like that's how small he is. He, he might be a safety, uh, but he was exceptional at the senior bowl. He did not look out of place. That's the most important thing, right? He's exceptional at the, the senior bowl. Can't believe he wasn't a combine invite. They dropped the ball on him. The other linebacker was Mo Diabate, you said, right? Super athletic, super athletic. Love him. Another, actually funny, another combine snub. Should have been there. Mm. Really good production at Utah, two of these last couple of years. I'm shocked that he was a big-time producer at Utah and didn't get a combine invite. That was the one that sort of shocked me. Um, I'll add this. Rand Carthon has signed eight unrestricted free agents this summer. And three of them are inside linebackers. So I think I might do a seven-round mock draft where they take nothing but linebackers. <laughs> Rand Carthon loves linebackers. That's so true. <laughs> no, I mean, that could be an indication that they're not planning to draft one because they, you know, they sign guys that will fill out the and back end of that exactly. depth chart. And these two linebackers, and they, I think they spent a lot of time with Florida's Ventrell Miller as well. I think I saw that reported somewhere. Virtual meeting, yes. Yeah. All three of these guys are like borderline UDFA types. So it could be an indication that they do want to bring in a, a, a high priority UDFA linebacker or, you know, same thing if they have one, one of them in the sixth or seventh round in all honesty. But, uh, you know, I, I learned this a few years ago. It's interesting. Agents, players, they rather go UDFA than get drafted in the seventh round. If you're going to draft mm-hmm. me in the seventh round, sixth round, I actually rather uh, control where I'm going that yeah. point if i'm not getting and, a bunch of guaranteed money you know on a, a third fourth fifth round type contract i'd rather go udfa so these guys are kind of those kind of types right six seventh rounders uh, those are the type of linebackers they're meeting with yeah so all right let's draw some conclusions now that we've been through everything biggest conclusion i'm drawing is the titans chances of either taking a quarterback at 11 or trading up for one are as high as are being reported and the number of mock drafts that people put trades in that have the Titans going up to get a guy and the number of fans that are excited about the possibility. I think it is, I mean, about 50, 50 that it could really, really happen. Um, They are really doing their homework on these quarterbacks. So I think that that's something we got to, you know, be ready for on draft night. And does that mean Ryan Tannehill gets traded on day two or shortly after? Does that mean Ryan Tannehill stays and, and, mentors this person for lack of a better word for a season we'll see but i do think quarterback i mean they're they have spent time with the five top guys they've got to be interested i agree with you it's it my main takeaway is they're super interested in quarterbacks like like you said the, the corners most of them were like 41th overall type 
Some right. of the receivers are even third round type, maybe. Right. right. Mingo, Tyler Scott, Tank Dell, like all of them might be third round type, right? But the quarterbacks are first round type. Right. Yeah. The linebackers are sixth, seventh round type. If the They're draft not... ends up playing out this way, quarterback at in the first round, the only thing is if you trade up, you're not going to have your second and third rounders, but or one of them at least gone, right? But quarterback first round, maybe corner second round, receiver third round, uh, and then you get a linebacker on day three. If it plays out anything even similar to that, uh, I think you and I will have done a pretty good job sorting through these top 30s and what they yeah. mean. And I think, you know, it's almost just as likely in the first round that it is uh, one of these tackles because they met with a lot of tackles or in the second round, maybe they're looking at these cornerbacks wondering if one of them will fall to the third or if they might want to trade up for a guy in that scenario, assuming they can stick and pick a quarterback at 11. But yeah, based on what we what we see in these visits, like I don't think that they're going to draft many linebackers early, many tight ends early, many defensive linemen early. The only edge rusher, I mean, Keon White, some people classify him as an edge. Some people classify him as more of an interior guy. They had a local visit with Devonsha Maxwell from Chattanooga Edge. Those are the only edges they're connected to at all. Probably a local. Yeah, probably a local, right? I actually, he was reported as a top 30 initially. Huh. And I was like, what? So I started doing some digging and immediately, I don't know how these things get misreported. And I, within five minutes of digging, I was told, oh, it was a local thing. So it wasn't so, a top 30. But I mean, that guy's not going high in the draft. No offense no. to him, but just that, no. you know, small school guys. UDFA can go on. type. Yeah, exactly. So like, they're not looking at edge guys. They're not looking at safeties. I think we have a pretty good grasp here based on this visit. It's like what the Titans are targeting here. And I wouldn't be surprised to see quarterback tackle in the first round, cornerback tackle wide receiver in the second round, maybe Hendon Hooker if he's there. Tight ends, day three, defensive linemen, tight uh, linebackers, day three. The only thing is like this team does need some offensive line help. So, you know, whether that's Anthony Bradford in the third round or whatever to, to play guard or, you know, Broderick Jones or Darnell Wright to play tackle in the first. Like, I do think like they have a decision to make here. Do they want to prioritize the quarterback of the future or do they want to build up the roster around him and target that guy next year? Or do they trade back from 11 so they can stockpile some picks and pick, you know, a guy off of, you know, each of these position groups, <laughs> because the only way to really do that is to get another one or two day two picks. I'll end by saying this. I, I do think right now I'm leaning quarterback with the fallback of it. If, you know, one's not there that they like, they can't get the guy they want, whatever, with the fallback being like Broderick Jones. Same. I'm in the exact same boat. It's going to be interesting to do our dueling mock drafts next week. Yes. No trades in the dueling mock draft. Oh, Sorry. I was about to say, do we get to trade up? I don't know. Do you pay for uh, do you pay for Draft Network uh, Premium, or I guess you don't have to, or Pro Football Focus well, Premium? I do or happen to be at a full time employee <laughs> of Draft Network, so. <laughs> All right, so we'll use your account and we'll put trades in our dueling mock next week. Stay tuned. All right, that's it. This has been a long episode. We appreciate everyone hanging with us. Thanks again to the Pharmacy, Burger, Parlor, and Beer Garden. Check out broadwaysportsmedia.com and 440 Sports and all the content they are producing over there. And follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Remember to tell him who the fifth safety the Titans signed last year was. Follow me Please. at Titans. driving me crazy. Follow me at Titans. Too hard to Google. We need your guys' help. We're going to literally wait until the episode is published and we even, get a Twitter notification. I even know this is the stupidest thing to know. It was a Drew Rosenhaus client. 
<laughs> I remember okay. them tweeting like the Titans have signed so and so per Drew Rosenhaus. Like I remember the whole thing. Veterans. Follow safety. me at Titans Film Room. We'll be back next week to duel our mock drafts. And until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.